Turn to Philippians uh, chapter 2. Uh, back to Philippians chapter 2 this morning. I was concerned I didn't have my notes, but there they are. Praise God. Sean, what would you do if you didn't have your outline? You'd just preach anyway, right? You'd say, okay, Lord, help me. <laughs> I'll, say that. I'll, I, I'll say that anyway this morning. Okay, Lord, uh, help me. Philippians chapter 2 this morning. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, Paul's inspired letter to the saved, baptized church members uh, there at Philippi. And Paul's dealt with them uh, regarding a number of things. You'll recall last uh, Sunday morning, uh, we looked at um, the, the issue of unity, uh, the issue of unity in the church. And, you know, that, that was a good message leading up to the election. May I remind us this morning, please, that we're not called to unify around political ideas or political philosophies. It'd be great if we could, but we're called to unite around the word of God and, and doctrine. Amen? Somebody say amen, please. We can't let political differences divide our church. We should pray that God would unify our thinking uh, politically and philosophically. And uh, I think over time, the Lord does do just that. But don't forget to pray that, please. I probably should have been preaching more about that as an application last week. But uh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to not be fractured by differences in political thinking, political philosophy. Help us to be unified around you and, and around your words and around the doctrine that is so important to, to our church and, uh, and to our people. So we saw Paul last week address the, I think, what was less than ideal unity there in the church at Philippi. Of course, churches since the first century have struggled uh, to stay unified and uh, it's because in part of the spiritual battle that we're in. You understand this morning, a devil is always looking for little cracks, little fractures that, that he can drive a wedge into to try to separate uh, church members from one, from one another. We can't let that happen. Amen? Say amen, please. Please, we cannot let that happen. Uh, I refuse to allow the devil a victory in that area. Uh, we're called to unify ourselves around the word of God. And, Put the rest in God's hands and, and, and trust him to deal with that. Well, uh, so it was a spiritual unity to which the Lord called the church at Philippi around God's words. And uh, Paul addressed the need for that, and he addressed the way of that. We saw that uh, last week. Now, uh, this week is maybe a little bit of an application of that. Paul had, he had called for a spiritual unity in the church last week. Well, Gary, it was more like 2,000 years ago, but we saw it last week, right? And um, today he's, he's going to uh, express an interest to be physically uh, reunited with the church members there at Philippi. So now it gets very practical. He, he, he talked about their, their need, God's desire that they... They enjoy a great spiritual unity in the church, but uh, this ne next passage here, he talks about uh, his interest in being reunited with them physically, to, to be in a, a physical unity, to be reunited with them so that he could encourage them, no doubt in their unity, but in, in all things, all, all things biblical, no doubt. Now, uh, Paul, it seems, it seems that uh, he's... Uh, imprisoned at this point. He's not going to be able to go himself, at least not immediately. Um, but his desire, his desire is to be back with the people at Philippi, save baptized church members there. Uh, he'll, he'll tell them that he'll, he'll send Timothy in his stead. Remember, Timothy was with him back when he planted the church, right? Timothy was his partner in, in ministry then, so they, they were familiar with Timothy. He also talks about uh, a third man, Epaphroditus. Uh, we'll see this morning. He's, he's going to send Epaphroditus back to them too. Uh, it seems, if it, we'll, we'll look ahead in a few minutes, but it seems like they had sent Epaphroditus to Paul uh, with an offering and that he got sick, very sick, and was delayed in his return back to Philippi. Um, and had ministered to Paul, and Paul had ministered to him, but now Paul is going to send him back to the church there, and he's got uh, a testimony about Epaphroditus uh, that he'll share, which will, would encourage that church, but should encourage us also. And so you have uh, three men here 
uh, who Paul desires, counting himself as one of the three, uh, to be back in a, in a physical unity, to be reunited uh, with the church back there uh, at Philippi. I would offer this morning that that's an example of love. It's an example of the love that we saw this morning in uh, 1 John chapter 3, right? I hope you were able to join in this morning. Um, good, wonderful encouragement about um, uh, the Lord's desire that we, we uh, express love to each other. How? In what? Is anybody listening this morning? Gentlemen? Do, do I have to take attendance in Sunday school? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and in what? In truth, right? In, in deed and truth. And I think this this be an example of that. Um, these Paul, Paul and, and these other two men, they desired to be back there with that church uh, to encourage them, to encourage their growth, to encourage them uh, in the things of God. And that's an example of love to be to be desiring, to be willing to uh, to give yourself, to pour yourself into the lives of others. Uh, even at the expense of, of our own interests, as we saw this morning in, uh, in 1 John 3. Well, let's stop there. Uh, let's pray, and we'll jump in here. We'll read the passage, and we'll come back and make some, some observations. Let's bow our heads. Father, we do thank you this morning, Lord, for your words. Lord, we thank you so very much this morning for our salvation uh, in the Bible, uh, which shows us how to be saved. Father, thank you this morning for a Savior, who is King of Kings, who is Lord of Lords. Father, I pray this morning that uh, you would give this church the unity that you desire. Lord, re reminding us daily, weekly to uh, come together uh, in a unity that is built in you and around your words. Lord, I pray this morning that you would encourage our hearts to uh, spend time together, uh, fellowshipping together to encourage one another uh, as much as we can. And of course, this morning we, we acknowledge, we realize that the, the coronavirus situation may impact how exactly we do that uh, and how much time we can be physically together. And yet, Lord, this morning I know that we, we can still apply the themes that we see here this morning. Uh, and be willing to invest our time lovingly in each other, encouraging one another. Lord, you know this morning how much encouragement we need this morning. Father, I pray this morning that you give us a heart now for your words for this passage. And Lord, a heart to take this up and to apply it in the most practical way. Lord, not in our strength, but in your strength. I pray, Father, that you'd help me now uh, to bring your words clearly, to apply them, Father, as you desire. And Lord, at the end of the service, I pray that we will have been built up, Lord, edified uh, in your words for your purposes. Father, I pray here this morning that you really would work here today. Lord, that we not just be logging time, that, Lord, our hearts would be truly bowed before you now that we'd look to you, Father, to work in our hearts, that uh, we would yield to the Spirit of God this morning and ask, Lord, please work in my heart this morning. Uh, show me, Lord, where, where change is needed. Lord, give me the grace that's needed to do just that. Lord, for your honor and for your glory. Father, I pray now for our church, for my brothers and sisters in Christ, for myself, that you would work in our hearts this morning uh, your purposes. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, would you stand with me if you're able to, please? I want to read here in Philippians chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 19. That's about where we left off. Philippians chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 19. We'll read down through the, uh, the end of the chapter. Here, the Bible says, uh, Paul writes under inspiration in verse 19, he says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus, uh, Timothy, shortly unto you, that uh, I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, Timothy, that, 
that as a son with a father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I uh, shall see how it will go with thee. Verse 24, Paul also says, But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. That was his heart. That was his desire. In verse 25, he continues, Yet I suppose it necessary uh, to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my brother in Christ, and companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all, and was full of heaviness, because that ye heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him, verse 28, I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may, what's the word? Rejoice, rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all what? Gladness and hold such in reputation. Possible he had been a pastor there. Uh, verse 30, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Uh, three men and their hearts for the, for the church at Philippi. Three men and their hearts for the church at Philippi. Let's pray, please. Father, uh, I pray again this morning now that you'll work here. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the hearts of these three men, for their example. Lord, I know it's, it's not just their example that we see, it's the Spirit of God working in their lives. And so, Lord, I pray this morning we'd understand that and that we would uh, take up their example, not in, in our own strength, in our own power, but, Lord, in, in your strength, in your power, the power of the Spirit of God who dwells us. Lord, work here now. Give us the same heart for each other, the same heart to, to be with each other, to encourage one another in the things that you desire. Lord, I love you this morning. I pray that you'll work here this morning. I pray all of this now uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, you may be seated. Um, I said in my prayer, I guess in my first prayer, Gary, that um, we, we have to acknowledge this morning that our ability to spend time together is a little bit constrained now, right? And, and wise wisdom, wisdom dictates, I think, that, that we be very careful. I know that the state has said now that we can't, we can't have uh, private uh, assemblies of more than, than 10 people. By the way, praise God, even though we're back in this phase, kind of modified phase two thing, uh, churches are being allowed to meet in larger numbers now than was the case when this phase two thing was, was first uh, imposed. Uh, it was... 25% uh, of the capacity of your church up to 100 people. It's now 50% up to 100 people. So that, that's, a, that's a great help to churches. You may have different opinions about the governor and his right to issue these constraints and so forth, but praise God that uh, it's a little bit less of a constraint now than it was, and I have a little bit less effect on and many churches than it did uh, before. My point, my point is this. In, in all of this, we recognize that we are, we are going to be somewhat constrained in the amount of time that we can spend together. Uh, and yet this morning, um, we, we, we need to see that, that we are called to desire to be with each other, to encourage each other. Uh, you remember in, in Hebrews 10.25, where we're commanded to not forsake the assembly together, uh, the context and the, and the reason for that is it's not just worship that we see there. It's so that we can encourage each other, right? Don't forsake the assembling together uh, because we're called to be, to be together uh, in, in physical proximity for the purpose of encouraging each other uh, in, in the things of God. Anybody here need that? Do you need that? I do. You know, I, I like to spend time with, with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we, we do. You know, whether or not you said yes or amen or shook your head, it's a fact. We, we do. We do need, uh, we need, we're, we're designed by God to, to be somewhat dependent on each other for, for encouragement. And I know it's not always possible, and 
People have not always had access to each other. I, I understand that. And, and you can find encouragement in the Lord. Uh, you, you know, our, our walk with Christ, it's, we're, that's sufficient. The Lord is sufficient. But isn't it better when, when you can spend at least a little bit time with each other, uh, even if it's coming into church and going out of church on Sunday and Wednesday, uh, are, you, are you encouraged by just having a little bit of time with each other? Does that encourage you? Do, do you take time to encourage each other? Do you? Well, I want to encourage that this morning. You know, be here. You know, we're, we're only here Sunday morning and, and Wednesday night right now. That, that's it. It's not a lot. Um, but you can choose to be here uh, and, and choose to take care, not just to come in and, and go out and drive, you know, drive in, come in, and then go out, drive up. No, but to, to make sure that you take just a little bit of time to, to be an encouragement to each other. I told the class, my college class on, on this week, Thursday, I guess, uh, just being here is an encouragement to others. That's true, right? When you look around and see each other, that's an encouragement, right? Church, is that true? Look around and see each other. Look around right now, just, just see who's here. That, that's, it's an encouragement to see brothers and sisters Christ, in Christ here, right? That's good, that's good. But it's even better to take time to, uh, to encourage, take time to interact and to encourage each other uh, this was Paul's heart. It was Timothy's heart. Uh, it was the heart of Epaphroditus to, to do just that, to, to be together so that they could uh, encourage each other. Now, there's some, there's some things along the way here that we see here, uh, some concerns about, well, you know, why, why did Paul have to send Timothy as opposed to somebody else? Let's, let's see here, number one this morning, uh, Paul desired to send Timothy to Philippi. He desired, get, just get that down, Paul desired to send Timothy to Philippi. Uh, he wanted to do kind of a, he wanted Timothy to be able to go and, uh, and do kind of a spiritual checkup. Hey, how you doing? How are things going? And Paul wanted to know how they were doing. If they were doing well, he would rejoice and, and be encouraged. If, if things weren't going well, if it was kind of a, a chaotic, disunified mess, that would be a concern for Paul. Uh, as well as it should be, but uh, he would be comforted if, if Timothy brought a good report. See this uh, in verse 19. He says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus, Mr. Timothy, shortly unto you, uh, that or so that I may be of good what? Comfort. The idea is he'd, he'd like to be encouraged by a good report from that church uh, that I may be of good comfort or encouraged uh, when I know your state, when, when I know how you're doing. Uh, Paul says, I'm, I'm gonna, my plan is to send Timothy. Uh, and it, boy, it'll be encouraging uh, for me to know that, that you're doing well spiritually. He'd be encouraged by that. I want to stop right there and ask you a question. What encourages you this morning? Uh, what, what is it that encourages you? Uh, do you have an answer? I'm not going to call on you, but, but what is it that encourages you? Stop and think about that. What, what do I draw comfort uh, or encouragement from? Paul says he'd be encouraged to know that the church at, at Philippi was doing well uh, in the Lord. He'd be encouraged to know that the people back at the church at Philippi were, were spiritually doing well, that the, the church was spiritually healthy and the people were doing uh, spiritually well. He, he'd be encouraged by that. Uh, is that the kind of thing that encourages us? Um, think about this. What, what discourages you? What, what discourages you? Is it when people are struggling spiritually? Is it when people aren't doing well in their, in their walk with the Lord? Uh, I want to I submit this to you this morning. Uh, there's all sorts of things that can encourage us or, or discourage us. And a lot of those things really don't matter that much in, in the context of eternity, what does matter is how people are doing spiritually, amen, and how healthy or unhealthy a church is. That's what matters. If you look around and see your church is pretty well spiritually, doing well spiritually, the individuals are growing and the church has got a decent unity, understand it may not be perfect, you know, draw encouragement from that. Choose to be encouraged by that. And if that's not the case, that might be discouraging, but what do you do when you're discouraged? You take that to the Lord, right? You make that a matter of prayer, uh, Lord, help my brother or sister in Christ who's struggling a bit, who's, you know, struggling with wrong ideas or wrong actions or giving in to sin or whatever it is. Uh, Lord, help that person. 
Don't be discouraged by that, but make it a prayer. Lord, Lord help that person. Uh, Paul, Paul would be encouraged to know that brothers and sisters in Christ were doing well, and, and we should too. We ought to be encouraged uh, by spiritual things. And, uh, where there's where we let concerns into our concerns uh, ought to be more spiritual than, than practical. See also, there's a reason that Paul would need to send Timothy. Uh, he didn't necessarily want to send Timothy because Timothy was kind of his partner in ministry back there in Rome, right? Uh, they they kind of traveled together for the most part. Uh, and, and, you know, Timothy was sort of an assistant to Paul, right? And uh, this, this, this was the case. But Paul says he needed to send Timothy uh, for a specific reason. Look in verse 20. This is not a good thing. This should be a concern. He says in verse 20, For I have no like-minded, uh, no man like-minded, uh, who will naturally or genuinely care for your state. And Why? Why is it that there's no one that he could send? Well, verse 21 gives us some insight here. He says, for all seek their own. Everybody here is just focused on themselves, not the things which are, which are whose? Jesus's. He says, listen, basically what he says here is, I'm looking around the church at Rome here to see if there's someone that I could send to kind of check up on you, uh, to come and, and do a spiritual checkup on the church. He wants somebody to go and make a house call, a house of God call, do a checkup on them spiritually. He'd prefer not to send Timothy, even though they have some, some relationship, with, uh, history with Timothy. You know, Timothy is important to Paul in his ministry there, but he says, listen, basically, uh, I'm going to be sending Timothy back to you because there's nobody here in the church in, in, in Rome who's, who's spiritually mature enough to be trusted with this. He says there, there's the, the church of Rome at this time was, was just immature. There wasn't a man in the church that was mature enough that Paul could trust to go and, and check up on them and kind of diagnose how they're doing uh, and if they were struggling to be able to help them to encourage their, their correction and their growth in a biblical way. May I say this? That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. There was no one mature enough there uh, at, at the church in Rome to go and, and perform that, that particular service that Paul saw uh, was necessary. Was that a concern? You think that was a concern to Paul? I think it was probably a great concern to Paul. Um, by the way, I don't, I don't think he's gossiping. <laughs> Brother Art, I don't think Paul's gossiping here. Hey, hey, church at Philippi, you can't believe this church back here at Rome. There, no, one's, no one's mature enough uh, to send. I think he, he wants us to be an explanation. Why would he send Timothy back when Timothy's, you know, kind of his partner in ministry here? Uh, he wants them to understand that. I think what's implied, at least, is he'd like them to pray for the, the growth, for the maturity uh, of the church members uh, back at Rome. Um, but I think, you know, we ought to look at that and say, boy, I wonder, I wonder if I'm growing. I, I wonder if I'm, if I'm mature enough. Uh, if, have I grown up to the point in Christ? H am, I, am I growing spiritually? Have I, have I grown to a point where I could be trusted uh, with some significant ministry opportunity or some, some significant need in the church? Uh, am I growing? Am I growing or am I just kind of stagnant in my spiritual growth? Do you think about that, church? Do you think about that? Am I growing or have I kind of stagnated? Uh, does it matter? Does it matter for, for growing spiritually or not? Does it? Does it matter? Sure it does. Sure it does. The Lord desires that, right? The Lord desires that we be growing spiritually. What characterizes spiritual growth? Well, yieldedness to the Spirit of God, um, um, uh, separation from sin. I understand that, that all that's accomplished by the Spirit of God as we choose to yield and, uh, and choose to look to the Lord and choose to grow and choose to be used by Him. Um, listen, I understand this morning that my... Uh, availability, we talked about this last week, I forget when, but it's going to sound familiar, but that's okay. My availability or serviceability to the Lord uh, is in large part going to be a function of my spiritual maturity, right? Uh, am, I, am I usable? Uh, am I growing? Am I growing uh, in separation from sin? Is there a growing righteousness in my life? 
uh, such that the Lord can use me in, in greater and greater ways. You know, if there isn't, that, that's a concern. Uh, that's a concern because uh, who are we here for, church? Who are we here for? Are we here for ourselves? Who are we here for? We're here for the Lord, right? And, and he wants us to grow, and he wants us to be usable, and he wants us to keep growing and be more usable and, uh, and be more available to him and uh, to be more separated from sin so that we can be used in greater and greater ways uh, by him. That, that's his desire. Paul looks around the church at Rome and says, you know, it's not a good thing. Uh, there's no one here that's spiritually mature enough that I could trust to send back to Philippi and check up on the church there and encourage them where that's needed and correct them where that's needed. And uh, there's no one that was, should there have been? Yeah, I dare say there should have been. Uh, there should have been. I want to encourage you this morning to stop and, um, and just make a decision. Lord, I, I need to keep on growing. <laughs> I've, not, I've not arrived yet, Lord. I'm not, I'm not home with you yet. Uh, I need to keep growing. I, I need to grow in my knowledge of you and your word. I, I, I need to grow in separation from sin and, and, and uh, to grow in righteousness. I, Lord, I need, to, I need to grow in yieldedness to you. Lord, Lord, give me a heart for that and, 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 and give me a heart to pray for that, that I might be that much more usable uh, to you. Matt, may I ask you a question this morning? Um, do, you, do you desire to be used of God? Do you desire to be used of the Lord? Do you desire that? I'll say this this morning. If you're not sure about that, if you're afraid what that might mean, I'll just encourage you this morning to stop and pray. Lord, give me a heart to be used by you. Give, give me a heart, God, to be, to be used of you to accomplish great things for you. And so that, can, that can take all different kinds of of, of practical um, uh, ways. There's all different kinds of practical ways that that might be worked out. But uh, at the end of the day, our, our desire ought to be to be used of God uh, and to accomplish great things for him. And uh, boy, at, in, in the end, that's what's going to matter. Not, not how much uh, secular work we did or how much money we made or how many hours we spent in the office or how many uh, hours we spent doing this. It's going to be did I serve the Lord the way he wanted me to serve him? Did I do that with the right heart? Listen, isn't that what's going to be examined at the judgment seat of Christ? Isn't that the thing? That's the thing. It's not going to be whether or not we were saved or lost. No, it's going to be our service. If that is the one primary thing that's going to be judged by Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, it ought to matter to us. Uh, have I made my life about serving the Lord, or is it still honestly more about serving me? Uh, Lord, help me. Help me to see that and, and, and give me a desire that my life would be more and more and more uh, given over to you. Paul says he could trust Timothy uh, to go and, uh, and to check in with the church there because Timothy had proven himself faithful. He'd proven himself mature uh, in and through his faithful service. See verse 22. He says, But ye know the proof of him, Timothy, that as a son with a father, he hath served me uh, in the gospel. Timothy's been here serving. He's been ser you know, helping me and serving the Lord. And uh, verse 23, he says, Him, therefore, I hope to send presently as soon as I shall see how it will go with me. As soon as I know whether or not I'm going to be able to come, uh, I'm going to send Timothy. He's proven himself uh, faithful. He's proven himself mature and reliable in his loving service to me and in his faithful service uh, to the Lord. So therefore, I, you know, Timothy's the guy that I could send. Uh, Lord, Lord, help us each to be that person, <laughs> the one who's proven him or herself in, in faithful service uh, to you so that we could be trusted with some great assignment uh, from the Lord. So Paul says, I, I'm not sure uh, when, if or when I'm going to be able to come. And so uh, Timothy's the one uh, I'll send, even though it's a loving, incredibly loving thing for Paul to do uh, because Timothy's there helping him. Uh, but he'll, he'll forego that, that loving help and, uh, and, and lovingly send Timothy to them. Now, that said, number two this morning, uh, number two, Paul does have a desire to go with them. Uh, to, I'm sorry, he has a desire to return, to be reunited with the Philippian church as well. Uh, he'll lovingly send Timothy if that's what he needs to do. But at the end of the day, Paul's greatest desire 
is to lovingly go there himself, to give himself his time, his strength, his energy. Uh, his greater desire is that he himself would be able to go and be with the church members and, and encourage them. He says this in verse 24. It's just one verse here. He says, but I trust, I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall what? Shall come shortly. This is his heart. And, you know, he, he's, he's obviously put it in God's hands. His desire is to go and be there and encourage them and help them and correct them, whatever they need spiritually. That's his desire, to give of himself, to, uh, to encourage that, to promote that. And, you know, he recognizes it doesn't look possible right now, but he's trusting that the Lord will make that possible if that's what the Lord wants uh, to happen. By the way, any of us can do that, right? You can look at your situation and say, I'm not sure I could ever do this or that for the Lord. I'm not sure that I could ever go and, and do that. I'm not sure that I could ever go on a missions trip or be a missionary or, or serve in this way or that way in the church. I'm not sure I could ever go out and knock a door or hang a mailbox or, or talk to people on the street. And, and you know what? Apart from the Lord, we'd, we'd be right. That would be very hard to do. But, but you can say like what Paul does. He says, but I trust in the Lord uh, to make possible what he desires. And, you know, if you have the Lord and if you'll yield to the Lord in, uh, in, in strength from him and gr employing grace from him to do that, you can trust in the Lord to make possible whatever he desires uh, to make possible. Paul's desire was to go and be with them and encourage them. It's a loving thing. He was trusting God to make it possible. Gary, I, I don't see in Scripture recorded that Paul was able to do that. I don't, it's not recorded in Scripture, I don't believe at least, that he was able to go back and actually complete a, another trip after this point. It's quite possible that he did, though. You know, perhaps the Lord just didn't seem fit to see fit to have that to be recorded. But we see his heart. We see his heart and who he's trusting in uh, to make that possible. Paul wrote statements like this all the time. He had such a heart for for the, for the church members in in Philemon uh, 22. Uh, he, he talks about his desire to visit the Colossian church and ask them to pray for that. He says, but with all, prepare for me also a lodging. Get a place for me ready. I'm, I'm coming if God will allow it. He says, for I trust that through your prayers, uh, I shall be given unto you. Get a place ready. Pray that I'll be able to come. I'm trusting that God's going to get me to you. He trusted the Lord to make possible whatever the Lord wanted, but uh, his heart, his heart comes through so clearly. Uh, it wasn't his heart to just, you know, be off in a corner somewhere doing his own thing, pursuing his own interests. His heart was to invest himself uh, in the lives of believers in, in, in that church. Paul, Paul said something similar to the Roman church. Uh, writing in Romans 15, he expressed his desire to come. Romans 15, 28, just make a note of that. He says, when therefore I have performed this and have sealed uh, to them this fruit, I will come by you in Spain. Uh, he was uh, planning about going to Spain and said, I'm going to come by you. Uh, I'm going to come by and visit you on that trip. He said, I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing uh, of the gospel of Christ. He said, the Lord will make that possible. If that's what God wants, God will make that possible. Paul's heart was to be there to love them and encourage them and to pour himself into their lives. And uh, he knew that if the Lord wanted that, the Lord, uh, the Lord would make it possible. Look back in chapter 1 here in Philippians. Look back there, please. Everybody has their Bible open, right? Look back in Philippians chapter 1 in verse 25. Why is it that Paul had such a heart to be back there? I've probably said it about 12 or 15 times already this morning, but, but let's, let's let him, him say it. Uh, why, why, why did Paul have such a heart to spend time with these brothers and sisters in Christ? Verse 25, he says, having this confidence, chapter 1, verse 25, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for what? Do you see it? For your what? Your furtherance, your growth. Uh, I, I want to come and encourage you in your growth and what? Joy. Anybody here need more joy this morning? Anybody? Would anyone say that? 
Look up here. Would anyone say that? I could use some more joy. Uh, I could use some joy, Pastor. Uh, would anyone say that you could still stand to grow a little bit spiritually? Would anyone say? I'm going to raise both hands. <laughs> you do that a lot, Pastor. Well, I need a lot. Amen. Uh, pray for your pastor. We need that. We need, we need to grow spiritually, and we need to, we need to grow in joy of, of faith. This was Paul's desire. He says in verse 26, that you're rejoicing. So much in this book, he wrote about joy uh, and rejoicing and, uh, and encouraging one another's joy in our salvation. He says in verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in who? What does it say? In Jesus Christ. For me, by my what? By my coming to you again. His, his heart is just overflowing with a loving desire to go and, and, and to be with his brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage their growth uh, and their joy, uh, and their joy in Christ. That, we should have the same heart. We should have the same heart. Why is it here? It's, it's, it's for our encouragement. We, as, as we grow, we should desire the same. We should have the same heart. Not to be tearing each other down, uh, but building each other up. Not to be uh, you know, trying to get at each other because we have little differences. No, encouraging each other to grow and stay faithful and, and to rejoice. Not in worldly things. Uh, not even in political things, but, but in faith, uh, in, the, in the things of God, and, uh, and, and that our rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to have all kinds of disappointments in, in things of the world, but Christ will never let us down. Someone say amen. Never, 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 ever. This is Paul's heart. This is Paul's heart. Gary, the church knows that I grew up in uh, cornfield. Church, you know that, right? You've heard that once or twice. They're laughing. Um, and each year we watch the farmer come to the field and till the field, plow the field, and then drag it, make it all nice and flat. And then the farmer would have to come and, and plant the seeds. And after a while, they'd come and they'd spray all kinds of nice pesticides. It was the 70s, amen? <laughs> maybe some fertilizer too and at the end of the season they would come and they would harvest the corn and feed it to the cows and that gave us what milk and steak church amen you say amen to steak baptist people say amen to steak sean amen um what would happen if the farmer didn't spend very much of that time in the field what if he just didn't show up at the field what would happen? What would happen? Not much, <laughs> right? If he didn't come and work up the soil and, and till it and plant the seed uh, and come back and lay down the pesticides and the herbicide and the fertilizer and come back and harvest, spending all that time, there wouldn't have been much of a result, would there? There wouldn't have been much of a result. I wouldn't have had anything to watch. <laughs> Um, if we want to lovingly encourage each other's growth, we're going to have to spend time with each other. Can we do that even if we don't agree with each other on every little thing? Can we? Can we? We could choose to. <laughs> By the way, you could choose not to. But that wouldn't be very loving. It wouldn't be very Christ-like. Um, did Christ come and die on the cross for us even though our hearts and minds were filled with wicked thoughts and ideas and our lives were filled with terrible sin? How much of that did he agree with? None of it. But he came. He came and literally invested his life for us. And we can, because of him, invest our lives in each other even where we have differences by the way if we don't do that the differences don't ever get reconciled or are less likely to amen um, i want to encourage us to find ways to spend time together right now it might not be in person as much as we would like it to be but there's still ways there are still ways um, one way of course is to be here and to 
to linger for just a bit <laughs> and encourage each other. Today's a great day to do that outside. It'll be more difficult in a month or two to do that outside, but um, choose to invest yourself in encouraging each other in the things of God. Um, we are called to do that, and Christ makes that possible. Look with me here, if you would, please, um, in verse 25. In verse 25, Paul says, Yet I supposed it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. Number three, big number three this morning. Uh, meanwhile, as much as Paul desired to go himself, he says, Meanwhile, uh, I'm gonna, he would send Epaphroditus back to Philippi. So just get that as a placeholder in your notes. There's Timothy, there's Paul, there's Epaphroditus. Uh, I suppose it necess necessary to send you Epaphroditus. If you look in chapter 4 and verse 18, go there real fast. Just flip over to chapter 4 and verse 18. It looks like this Epaphroditus has been sent by the church with an offering for Paul. They provided mission support to Paul. Uh, seems like they had fallen behind, but Epaphroditus is coming with an offering. He says, but I have all and abound. I am full, verse 418, 418. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. An odor of sweet smell, sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So Epaphroditus seems to be the one who's brought the missions offering uh, from the church, and he's with Paul. And uh, we, under, we saw this morning in the passage here, he became very sick in the course of that ministry, and he's better now, and, and Paul's sending him back to the church to encourage them the way that uh, he's been encouraged by Epaphroditus. He... Um, he says in verse 25, I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. He says, he calls him, after his name there, there's two words. What are they? What are they? My brother. My brother. He's my brother in Christ. Do you think that he and Epaphroditus um, were absolutely, totally agreed in every little thing in the world? No. No, but they were brothers in Christ. They were brothers in Christ. They were, they'd get past differences and, and work together and, and serve together. He, he calls him my brother. They were brothers in Christ. And then he calls him his what? His, his what? What's the C word there? Companion in, in labor. He says Epaphroditus has been his companion in labor. Same language is translated fellow helper, fellow laborer, fellow worker. Uh, the underlying word has the idea of literally, the literal idea of being united in work. Uh, the underlying word has the idea, literal idea, of, it's, it's made out of a word that's, that's unity uh, and work. Unit, they're, they're united workers. They're, they're working together. Uh, this, this is why Paul has spent so much time on unity, uh, because if you don't have unity, you can't cooperate uh, in the things of God and serving the Lord the way the Lord desires. Uh, he, he has this with Epaphroditus. They're brothers in Christ first and foremost. Uh, they've been able, because of that, their focus on who they are in the Lord rather than little differences maybe. They're, they're, they're companions uh, in labor. Uh, he, he, he's giving a testimony. He's sharing a testimony of his brother in Christ who has been willing and able to be a co-laborer in the things of God with him. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be companions in labor, one body striving together uh, in service to the Lord, reaching people, discipling people, baptizing people, serving together. He calls Epaphroditus um, fellow soldier. Uh, fellow soldier. He refers to him as a fellow soldier. The underlying word has the idea, just, just like uh, companion in labor, uh, the underlying word has the idea of united soldiers. Again, the importance of unity, uh, the importance of being willing to, to, to build unity between believers around the things of God, not anything else. Uh, you have to like the Buffalo Bills Church, but uh, not, nothing else beside that. Uh, they know that I'm from that place, Sean. Uh, no, not letting sports differences harm our, disunit or harm our unity either. They're fellow soldiers. They're fellow soldiers, united soldiers. Um, are we in a battle? We're in a real battle, right? We're in a real battle with a real enemy. 
And if you don't have the kind of unity in your church, if, in, in our church, if we don't have the kind of unity that the Lord has commanded in the first part of this chapter and, and shown us how to have that, um, we can't reasonably expect to uh, prevail in battle this side of heaven the way that we should. Uh, if, if we're allowing the enemy all kinds of ends, if, uh, allowing cracks in our unity that provide a place for him to, to insert his wedge and, and to harm our unity, uh, if we're not being choosing the Lord's way of unity so that we can cooperate in serving the Lord and in battling the enemy, we're not where we should be. In 1 Timothy 2, beginning in verse 3, Paul says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that or so that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Who's chosen you, church? Who's chosen you? Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, help us to be united, united soldiers, fellow soldiers, people who share a unity around the word of God for your purposes. Paul refers to Epaphroditus as your messenger. Well, he was the one that brought the offering. He might also be a pastor there uh, in the church. He states that Epaphroditus ministered to his wants. He demonstrated a great love to Paul. Uh, you know, the kind of thing that we looked at this morning at nine o'clock in 1 John. He shares that Epaphroditus was concerned <laughs> that they had been concerned for him. Uh, we'll, we'll stop here, but, but note this in verses 26 and 27. He had gotten so sick when he arrived there at, in Rome uh, to deliver the offering to Paul, he almost dies. He almost dies. And Epaphroditus, his greatest concern at that time wasn't that he might die. By the way, if you die, what's, what's next? Heaven. Is that a bad thing? It's not the worst thing, amen. It's not the worst thing, certainly not. That's our hope. Uh, that's our hope. And so Epaphroditus, when he, when he got sick, and so sick that he might die, the Bible says in verse 27, he was sick nigh unto death. His greatest concern wasn't dying. It was what? That the church back home, the church back in Philippi, would be burdened by his sickness, concern for him, care for him. He was concerned that their knowledge of his illness would be a burden on, on them. That's a loving concern. Of course, we are called to share our, our prayer requests and to be praying for each other in response to illness, right? That's, that's a fact. But this man's heart is just so wonderful. He was so sick that he might die, but his greatest concern was that that knowledge of that would burden other people. Let's read verses 26, 27, we'll stop. He says, for he's longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he'd been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, praise God, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. In any event, the Lord does have mercy on him. The Lord uh, healed him, and Paul sends him back, verse 28, diligently, directly, carefully is the word here in verse 28, uh, encouraging them in verse 29 to receive him back with all gladness, to hold him in all reputation, because, verse 30, for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, not regarding his life, but there serving, putting others and the Lord head of self and self-interest. Um, I would submit to you this morning that we are able to do that because of Christ. And if we'll do that, uh, we can have the wonderful unity that the Lord commands in the first half of the chapter. And in that, we will be able to cooperate to serve the Lord the way he desires. And in that, we'll find it that much easier to be available to each other, to be investing in each other, uh, to be spending time together to encourage one another. Uh, 
not tearing each other down over differences, not discouraging each other, not saying or doing hateful things towards each other, but lovingly investing in one another despite little differences for the Lord's sake. Let's stop there and pray, please. Father, we do thank you this morning for the heart of Paul uh, to encourage that church, to pour himself into it. Lord, despite the trial Paul was facing, his heart was set upon others. And Lord, I understand this morning that Timothy and Epaphroditus had the same heart for others. Lord, I pray this morning that you give us the same heart. Father, as we saw in 1 John this morning at 9, that it be a true heart for one another, not just something that we express with lip service, but something that we do in deed and truth according to your words. Father, I pray this morning that you give us a heart to spend time together, to love each other, to invest ourselves in each other, to pour ourselves into each other's lives, encouraging one another in the things of God. Lord, we understand this morning that you desire that. Give us a heart to desire the same, and Lord, give us grace to do that. Father, we may be convicted this morning that we've not chosen to invest ourselves in each other's lives the way we should. And I pray where that is the case, that you give us a heart now to confess that, to agree with you, to ask you for grace, to put aside a focus on ourselves, to put that off and to put on a, a greater and growing interest in each other. I'll give you a moment to pray. Lord, I love you this morning. Thank you for your words. I thank you this morning that it's because of your love and Christ and what he's done for us that we can obey you. Lord, give us a heart to do just that. Give us faith, Lord, that if we would humble ourselves and yield to you in this area that we can indeed find grace, strengthen you because of Christ. Demonstrate love to each other, to encourage each other for your honor and your glory. Lord, I love you this morning. Thank you for Sean for his willingness to be here. He's an encouragement. We thank you for him. Lord, bless him. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name.